friends, welcome to this act of worship on Sunday the 28th of August. It's good that we are together in worship. Our call to worship. What shall I return to the Lord for all his bounty to me? I will offer to you a thanksgiving sacrifice and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. Praise the Lord. That's taken from Psalm 116 verses 12 and 17 to 19. Friends, as we gather in worship, we listen and we sing along to the hymn, Let us build a house. All are welcome. All are welcome. Let us build a house where love can dwell and all can safely live. A place where saints and children tell how hearts learn to forgive. Built of hopes and dreams and visions, rock of faith and vault of grace. Here the love of Christ shall end divisions. All are welcome, all are welcome, all are welcome in this place.
Let us pray. We give you thanks, loving God, that when we can't find the right words, you transform our stumbling. When we can find only harsh words, you transform our pain. When we can find no words, you transform our silence. When we would speak your words, you transform our longing and speak through us your life-giving words of healing, acceptance and grace. Gracious God, we confess the blindness that is not even aware of sinning, the pride that dares not admit that it is wrong, the selfishness that can see nothing but its own will, the righteousness that knows no fault, the callousness that has ceased to care, the defiance that does not regret its own sins, the evasion that always tries to make excuses, the coldness of heart that is too hardened to repent. God, be merciful to us, to me, in the name of Christ. Amen. We say together the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Two um, short readings for today. The first is from the Gospel of Matthew, and the second from Paul's letter to those who lived in the place called Philippi. But first, Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. But he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Thanks be to God. And Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through to verse 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We give thanks to gracious God for his word today. Amen. Friends, we sing, O Thou Who Camest From Above.
of this crotchety old priest who announced his departure to his flock. He'd been there for 30 years, 25 years too long. He didn't like them and they didn't really care much for him as well. And on the last day, as he was preaching, he said, well, this is my last day. I'm leaving. And I know you're really sorry to hear this and you hate to see me go, but you'll just have to accept it as the Lord's will. And with that, he sat down. At that point, the music director stood up and said, Now let us stand and sing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Well, friends, before uh, the music starts, a few words on this gospel reading. I'm going to take you back, well, a long time. It was just after midnight on Sunday, September the 2nd, 1666. Any idea? Well, a fire broke out at Thomas Farriner's Bakery in Pudding Lane, near the Thames in London's old city. As was the model in modern Europe, neighbours worked to put out the fire while they waited for parish constables to coordinate the firefighting effort. After about an hour, the constables arrived and determined the neighbouring houses needed to be demolished to provide a fire break as the old city was infamous for overcrowded timber-built tenements, houses that crept closer and closer to one another. That would make a rapidly spreading fire a constant and a realistic fear. 
Well, as you can imagine, the people who lived in the houses ordered to be demolished weren't too keen on the idea. As they protested, Sir Thomas Bloodworth, the Lord Mayor of London, was summoned to settle this dispute. An inept and inexperienced politician, Bloodworth couldn't make the necessary decisions, and fueled by wind and wood and the occasional gunpowder stockpile, the fire spread and spread and spread. By the time it was finally controlled on the morning of Wednesday, September the 5th, the fire had destroyed some 13,000 homes, 86 parish churches, dozens of civic buildings and the great St Paul's Cathedral. Maybe we'll never know the true figure of how many lives were also lost in that fire. Fire is, of course, an interesting thing. Uh, one could argue that, that humanity's ability to control fire is one of the greatest achievements of all time. By controlling fire, we develop the ability to cook food. This led to advancements in life expectancy as foodborne illnesses no longer threatened human beings in the same way it had for all of human history. By controlling fire, we were able to make light at night, forever changing how the world looked. By controlling fire, we're able to smelt ore and create stronger tools. By controlling fire, the internal combustion engine was created, making travel around the world possible. And of course, uncontrolled fire is still one of the most dangerous things in our world. In the aftermath of the Great Fire, fire of London, Sir Christopher Wren showed himself to be one of the greatest architects in, in English history. Wren, who had been working to renovate St Paul's at the time of the Great Fire, was responsible for building 52 of the 86 churches destroyed in the fire, as well, of course, as the redesign of St Paul's. The old 11th century Gothic building now destroyed, Wren designed a brand new one, Baroque in style, and to this day holds one of the tallest and most magnificent domes structures in the world. The great edifice, built of Portland limestone, was consecrated only 31 years and three months after the Great Fire. Enormous undertaking for that time. Legend, legend has it that early in the construction per process, Wren was wandering around the site of Ludgate Hill, talking to the craftsmen on site. He found three stonemasons working on a scaffold and called up to the first and asked, What are you doing? The first mason responded, I'm a stonemason. I'm working hard laying stone to feed my family. To the second, Wren asked, And you? What are you doing? I'm a builder, he said. I'm building a wall. Finally, Wren asked the third mason, What about you? What are you doing? Me? The man answered, I'm blessed to be doing the great work of building a magnificent cathedral to Almighty God. What are you doing? What are you building? This is not our church. This is God's church. And whilst the workers are few, the harvest is plentiful, ripe and ready. Friends, the harvest is increasing and it feels the workers, at least in number, are reducing. I don't want there to be a physical fire in any of our buildings. The pain and the distress would, it would cause would be great. 
But I do want the fire of God to flow and the fire of God's spirit to take control. We need to see as Jesus saw, feel as Jesus felt. And then by doing that, we will do as Jesus did. And so focusing on this gospel reading just for a moment, we see that we need to have compassion. Do we view people as sheep without a shepherd? Or do we see people, particularly those who are different to us, as somebody who's inconvenient? We need to see as Jesus saw. Presumably, Jesus and the disciples viewed the same scene. There was nothing unusual about the crowd, not as they approached. Jesus and the disciples had journeyed and here they found this crowd. There may have been a few more sick and disabled people than in the normal crowd, but no more than they had been on previous days. But the disciples may well have thought, as they had in other occasions, when the need was overwhelming, to send them away. But Jesus saw them differently and he had compassion, deep compassion. Some years ago, some researchers decided to find out if students who were training for ministry, so seminary students, um, are good Samaritans. So they met individually with 40 ministerial students under the pretense of doing a study of careers in the church. Each student was instructed to walk into a nearby building to deliver an impromptu talk into a tape recorder. Some were told to talk on the Good Samaritan parable, while others were told to talk about their career concerns. Meanwhile, the researchers planned an actor and planted an actor outside along the path as a seminarian approached. The actor groaned and slumped on the ground. And they found that more than half of the students walked right on by. The researchers noted some who were planning their dissertation on the Good Samaritan literally stepped over the slumped body as they hurried along. We need to stop being so preoccupied with ourselves so that we can see Jesus and the world that's in need. Jesus saw lost people as distressed. The word that troubled or vexed it points to the load of problems that people apart from Christ bear. Do you ever look carefully into people's faces when you're in public? Are you too embarrassed to do so? If you do, then what you'll see is lots of distressed, troubled people. More so today with all that we're going through. Jesus saw lost people as dispirited. That word means downcast or thrown down. It points to being utterly helpless and forsaken those lost in sin without saviour. When sheep turn upside down, they're called cast, cast down. So Jesus saw lost people as sheep without a shepherd. The Jewish leaders should have been shepherding these people, pointing them to God. But instead, they were self-righteous and self-seeking, looking down on others. They were fleecing the flock, not shepherding them and certainly not at all with compassion. To them, the people were a bother. But Jesus viewed the people as sheep, needing a shepherd. Jesus, in compassion, saw the lost, 
and saw that the harvest is plentiful. This was something he repeated frequently in his ministry, and the harvest isn't reaped by any technique that we have, but by God's purpose. Jesus had compassion. Jesus saw the need, and he saw the need of the workers to reap. In the Great Fire of London, the neighbours were so busy working out what to do that by the end they'd missed the point, they'd missed the time. There is danger that we become so preoccupied with the harvest and how we're going to do it that we fail to do it. Perhaps we join in with a myriad of faithful people in scripture who produce excuses of why they couldn't do something. We need to see as Jesus saw feel as he felt, and do as he did. Jesus ministered to people's needs and prayed for more workers. If it's the right technique for Jesus, then it's essential for us. Ministry means service, and our motive is serving Jesus, not history, not a denomination, and not a building. Friends, Dear friends, thank you for allowing me to minister with you, to serve you and our local communities. Thank you for the lessons you've taught me, for the grace shown, especially when I've got things wrong. And thank you for your faithfulness. We do continue to run the race together. We're just in different lanes. So let us look with compassion Pray with hope and serve with grace. In his name. Amen. We listen and sing the song, Take This Moment, Sign and Space. Take my friend.
Let us pray. Creator God, guided by the words of your servant, Jim and Pastor Carl Barth, he said, take your Bible and take your newspaper and read both, but interpret newspapers from your Bible. We beseech you for the protection of members of our world community. For your world, we pray for an end to civil strife in Myanmar. The ruling militant junta has killed more than 2,100 people, including many children, and has detained over some 15,000 others. 50% of all residents are in poverty. At least 8 million are in dire need of food security and millions are displaced. Bless those working to end the grain and fertiliser shortage caused by Russia's invasion of Ukraine. We thank you for the opening of Ukrainian seaport and for the aid provided by other countries. We pray for the protection of the people of Nicaragua. We join in Pope Francis and other faith and national civil leaders by calling for the government to provide protection of the human rights of all citizens, in particular the universal rights of peaceful assembly, freedom of association, thought, conscience and religion, while calling for the release of all those arbitrarily detained. We pray for those suffering what, for what might be the worst European drought in 500 years. For the traumatic rise in fuel in our country that leave people scared. Hear our cry for justice, gracious God. We pray for the family of Olivia Pright Corbel that they would, in the midst of broken hearts, know your peace which passes understanding. For all we know who struggle today, that your grace and your mercy would be known. We commit ourselves to helping with gentle hands, the fragile and vulnerable clay each precious person given to us. We will treat them with the same loving patience we ourselves feel in the hands of the Divine Potter, We'll be open to ears to listen like disciples as God leads us forward on the next part of the journey. In his name. Amen. We sing our final song, My Jesus, My Saviour.
Friends, a final blessing. We give you thanks for all that has passed, trust you for what is to come, and praise you in all things. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. May God bless you this week as we minister, serve him in our world. <laughs>